Good evening, family. Let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come together even though we're apart. I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring us closer in your presence and closer in your love. I pray that you speak to me and through me to your people at this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I was about at least, well, for as long as I can remember. While I was a child, my mom used to work a side job. She was a freelance wedding decorator and wedding coordinator. So whenever anybody from church or anybody from her network, anybody she knew was getting married, she would often decorate or help coordinate their weddings as a way to supplement her income. Very smart woman she was. She is, she is smart. <laughs> um, so, that meant as a elementary school kid, I also had a side job, helping my mom decorate and coordinate weddings. And I was going to trunk shows and bridal shows and flea markets and meeting brides and grooms and mother-in-laws and monster-in-laws and all, all of the things. And I became very acquainted with the inner workings of a wedding party and wedding coordinating at a very young age. And I learned that people who are getting married and people who are a part of a wedding party are weird. I mean, they're perfectly normal, great, wonderful, beautiful people before planning the wedding. And I'm sure they go back to being perfectly wonderful, great, beautiful people after the wedding's over. But during that whole wedding planning process, something happens and people just become a little bit strange, right? And the, the thing that I don't like most the people that I don't like most about a wedding party isn't a bridezilla. I can handle a bridezilla. It's her day. It's the only day she's ever gonna get. Sure, she gets what she wants. And it's not like a disinterested groom. I mean, like he doesn't care about flowers. He doesn't care about colors. I get that. He just wants to be married. I can handle that. The people that I really just, they get on my nerves, lazy bridesmaids. Lazy <laughs> bridesmaids get under my skin. I mean like, I understand that you and the bride have been friends since grade three, but today's not your day and you have a job to do, right? Like when, when the bridesmaids will come to the bridal shower and stand around and look cute and take pictures and take selfies and not attend to the bride at all. So annoying. Or when you'll go with the bride and the bridesmaids to the dress fitting and they're more concerned with how they're gonna look in the dress than how the bride feels about what dress they should be wearing. 
so annoying. Or on the wedding day, when the bridesmaids are not as focused on attending to the bride, but more focused on standing up and looking pretty, so annoying. Because they're not the ones getting married. They've maybe already had their day or they're gonna have their day in the future and them not doing what they were designed to do, what they were requested to do, what they were asked to do, what they promised to do is annoying to me because it ruins the experience sometimes for the bride. And Jesus tells us a story in Matthew 25 about 10 bridesmaids or 10 virgins. Let's read it together. Matthew 25 and verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps, but took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, no, lest we should not have enough for you and for us, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves some oil. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Weddings in the first century had different culture than weddings have now. Weddings back then weren't necessarily elaborate in the same way that our weddings are. You know, um, what the bridesmaids would do isn't necessarily hold flowers, but the reasons why they had lamps was so that as the bridegroom was coming, they would be the people who lit the path, helping people to see the bridegroom and follow him, and follow him into the wedding feast, right? And these wedding feasts oftentimes were displays of wealth, were ways to hand down generational wealth, were a celebration of two different families coming together in the same way that our wedding feasts are. And having more people be able to come into the wedding feast for many cultures was important. However, Five of the bridesmaids whose job it was to light the path for the bridegroom 
five of the bridesmaids whose job it was to have themselves in place so that people could see the bridegroom coming were missing. They weren't ready. They weren't there. And the Bible calls them foolish bridesmaids. And I wonder, what makes the five foolish and the five wise? They all fell asleep. While they were waiting for the bridegroom to come, all 10 of them, the foolish ones and the wise ones, fell asleep. The foolish ones and the wise ones fell asleep on the job. And while they were waiting for the bridegroom, because he was very delayed and took longer than they expected, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Even the wise ones weren't doing what they were supposed to do. I think that in our church today, one of our problems is that both foolish and wise are sleeping and have been sleeping for some time. It's almost as if we are sleepwalking, sleep preaching, sleep teaching, sleep worshiping. Because we have been waiting for Jesus to come. But we're continuing in this pattern of what we're supposed to do and we keep doing it and we keep doing the same things over and over and over and over and over again. Almost as if it's on repeat. We show up to church at 9.15 for Sabbath school. We study the Sabbath school lesson. We have a break. And then at 11, we have the worship service. And hopefully the worship service doesn't go too long. And the pastor doesn't preach too long. And then after the worship service, we hear an appeal. And hey, it tugs at our hearts. So we respond to the appeal in church. But then we go home and we do nothing about it. And we follow this pattern week after week after week after week after week after week. And it's become almost robotic. Like we can live our Christian experience on snooze because I know what's going to happen when. I know when to stand up, when to sit down, when to kneel, when to turn left, when to turn right. I know what to do. So I stopped paying attention I stop waiting with anticipation for the second coming. I, start, I stop actively waiting for the second coming and I fall asleep. All of us do. We all fall asleep. But the beautiful thing about coronavirus, 
is that it interrupted our pattern. And we are experiencing in the world right now what comedian Amanda Seals calls an eruption of consciousness. People are waking up. We're waking up to social injustice. We're waking up to inequality. We're waking up to police brutality. We're waking up to systematic racism. We're waking up to issues with poverty. We are waking up to issues with our government. We are waking up. And it's not just happening in one isolated place. It's happening around the world. These issues that people are becoming aware of in their lives, in their homes, in their families. It's not like they haven't been there. But now we're seeing it. And we're all collectively, as a group of people, waking up and seeing the problems. In the same way that when the cry went out at midnight, all of the 10 bridesmaids woke up. They all woke up, yet five were still foolish. They weren't foolish because they slept. They weren't foolish because they needed a jolt to get woke. They were foolish because when they finally were awake, five of them did not have enough oil. The Bible tells us this about oil. Oftentimes when we look at the Old Testament, we see oil being used as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. For example, when you read the books of the kings, you'll find that the kings were anointed by the priest with oil on their foreheads. And that represented the Holy Spirit being on them or in them. And in the same way in this text, oil represents the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I think that the lack of oil being the thing that made them foolish means that there's no point to be awake if you're gonna lack the oil. Like if you're gonna be awake, if you're gonna be aware, if you're gonna know that there's a problem and not have any oil, go back to sleep. Just, just go back to sleep. Because being awake and being aware and not having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and not having any power to change it and not having anything that you're able to do about it or being dissenting, being negative, causing problems, causing issues, causing strife is more painful than had we been asleep. It's useless to be woke without oil. And with my generation, I'm a millennial and I'm a pretty young millennial, so I feel like I can relate to some of the Gen Zs, even though you guys are like warriors. We are very principled people. 
In past generations, we have seen trends within Christianity of young adults leaving church. And young adults leave church for a myriad of reasons. But we also see the trend of young adults coming back to church when they have kids and they realize, hey, my kids need Jesus. But with millennials, with my generation, we're not seeing that because we're not leaving church because we're asleep. We're leaving church because we're awake. And we see the problems. We see the issues. We see the, 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 the injustice. We see the things in the world that our church isn't addressing. And we're awake and leaving instead of being awake and filled to be the church. Being awake and filled to be the change. It is useless for us to be aware. It is useless for us to be up. It is useless for us to say anything if we're not first filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I be real with y'all for a second? Like for a quick for a quick second. I've been I've been on social media and I've been spending too much time on social media because I haven't been prioritizing my mental health and protecting my peace. But I've been on social media and with everything that's happening in the world right now, I've seen a lot of things on social media. And I've seen a lot of people become aware of things on social media. And I've seen a lot of people who are supposed to be Christians, who are supposed to be bridesmaids, speak from a place of hate, speak from a place of divisiveness, speak from a place of hurt, instead of speaking from a place of healing. And when we are awake, lacking the Holy Spirit, we cause more pain. We cause more trauma. We cause more hurt. So these women wake up and realize they don't actually have enough oil to do their job. They can't do what they're called to do because they haven't been filled. So they leave to go get oil. And by time they get back, the Bible says the door was already shut. They knock, 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 knock on the door and the bridegroom comes to the door and says, hey, I don't know you and they don't make it into the wedding feast. I often get the question, 
if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, if I'm not doing evangelism, if I'm not awake, if I'm not aware, if I'm not working, will anybody actually be lost? Yeah. You will. We owe it to ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. We owe it to ourselves to have enough oil. Yes, I do believe that Jesus loves the world enough to, to reach them and to draw them in and to save them and to draw them closer, even if I do nothing. I do believe that maybe, sure, there could be somebody else. Or maybe, no, those people will be lost too. But I know for fact that if I neglect my spiritual life, that if I neglect my spiritual walk, that if I refuse to receive Jesus for myself, to digest Jesus for myself, to be filled with Jesus for myself, then I will be lost. If you don't get filled, you will be lost. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your family. You owe it to your children. You owe it to the ministry that you're doing to receive Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to dwell in him. So that you won't be lost. So my appeal today is really simple. Receive Jesus. And it's not complicated. We used to sing it in Sabbath school every morning. Read your Bible, pray every day. Spend time with the master. Dwell in Jesus, because we have no clue when he's coming. But we want to provide the healing that he gives while we're waiting. We wanna be able to shine a light so people can better see who he is while we're waiting. And we want to experience the joy that he gives while we're waiting. We wanna do what he's asked us to do while we're waiting. So be filled with Jesus, have oil in your lap so that you'll stay burning. 
Jesus, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill us now. In Jesus' name, amen.